This is the Water Into Wine podcast. Over the coming weeks, I'm going to be describing a journey that I've been on over the past 12 years, telling you about how I started off as a non-believer in the spirit world and ended up as a believer. I'll give you all the clues you need to go and verify this for yourself and go and research for yourself as well, because I don't expect anybody to listen to what I say and just believe it. But I do want you to go and look for yourself because you'll find everything's there. Now, you can find the podcast on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube and SoundCloud. Just search for Water Into Wine podcast. So, welcome to chapter 15 of the Water Into Wine podcast. And I can't believe that I've been banging on for over five hours now, to be honest with you. If you listen to all the podcast, you'll know we've been leading up to this particular point. This is where I tell you, as I mentioned at the end of last week's podcast, I tell you about the Armand Priesthood. Now, this is, as far as I can find out, the beginning of most branches of religion today. This is where everything seemed to stem from, as far as I can work out. Now, um, this particular chapter in my book, which I'm, I'm um, using uh, to, to voice from, owes much of the research undertaken by Carmen Bolter, a PhD from the University of Calgary, and Graham Hancock. Um, watch Carmen Bolter's fantastic Pyramid Code documentary. I think it's in about five parts. It's on YouTube. And there are hundreds, literally hundreds of uh, videos of Graham Hancock talking about his research. I mean, the pair of them have spent a quarter of a century, about 25 years doing this. So, as I've already suggested in earlier podcasts, the manipulation of the masses through religion started thousands of years ago. Now, a very interesting example of this process is instanced in the case of the Egyptian pharaoh Akhenaten, who was previously Amenhotep V. Now, it's thought Akhenaten was originally trained to be a priest of Ray in Heliopolis. He decided to unify Egypt's gods so that the people could follow a single god, the sun disk or the Aten. So instead of following an invisible god that you couldn't see, he decided to point everything towards the sun because you can see it and you can pray to it. Now, at that particular time, I think we're going back to about 1500 BC now, priests in ancient Egypt were called Hemnedja, excuse my pronunciation, which means servants of the gods. Their role in Egypt was to work with the outgoing pharaoh prior to and during the, ini the initiation ceremony of a new pharaoh. They actually administered the drugs to produce and propel the kings into the next dimension, produce this out-of-body experience we keep going on about. Um, now, they, they'd done this while they were in the king's chamber of the Great Pyramid, hence their name, Servants of the Gods. They were basically pharmacists. They knew what natural plants and leaves and flowers to use to produce this out-of-body experience. Now, collectively, they were all called the Amun Priesthood, A-M-U-N, Amun Priesthood. Now, while their role in the pharaohic initiation was crucial, theirs was a very poorly paid profession. They used to accept offerings for the gods, and people for miles around were used to give them wine and fruit and gold, as well as money to make sure that the gods were pleased with them. Now, at the time of Akhenaten, there were approximately 2,000 gods in Egypt, and each individual god represented a certain aspect of nature. So you had God of the sky, God of the water, God of the sand, God of the night, God of the day, and so on and so forth. 
The priests, however, as with many middlemen the world over, realised very, very quickly the power they had by standing as gatekeepers between men and their religious experiences. As was the practice in Egypt, the gods were being compressed with the new god possessing the attributes of the old uncompressed gods. And they compressed three sun gods, the rising sun, the midday sun and the setting sun, and they ended up with Amun Ray, A-M-U-N Ray, which was the god of the sun, originally Horus, which is why they called themselves the Amun Priesthood, A-M-U-N Priesthood. If we look at the hieroglyphs of the death of someone before the Amun Priesthood took control, we can see the original god of the dead, who was Anubis, weighing the dead person's heart to see if they were light of heart, and thus eligible for the afterlife. And that you can see him doing this, weighing it against a feather. The feather of truth, I think it used to be called. The Egyptians actually believed that to get into the afterlife, their hearts had to be as light as this feather. If and when Anubis weighed your heart and found it guilty of wrongdoings, it would be heavier than the feather. Then you'd be left to roam in the world between the two worlds for eternity. Now once the Amun priesthood got to grip of this, a new hieroglyph emerged. This one showed that it was Horus who held the scales. He became, along with his priesthood, the new gatekeeper to the afterlife. Now this is clearly reflected in Christian ideology with Horus and God weighing the evidence of our souls, the, the righteous being on one side and the doomed on the other. So out of this a new business was born. One way of pleasing Horus in advance was by buying a small carved doll from the Armen priests. It was called something like a Shakam doll or a Shaki doll. I can't remember the exact name at the moment. Now, as with the sale of indulgence by the Catholic Church in the later Middle Ages, you could buy forgiveness from the priesthood. Now, the Pharaoh Akhenaten considered this dishonest and self-serving. As most of the Egyptians of the time had started following the priests, Akhenaten wanted to move Egypt's capital city from its then site to a new location and make a clean start. However, he knew this would mean civil war. Nevertheless, he built his new capital, Armana. In his new capital, everybody worshipped the Aten, the sun disk, Aten as in A-T-E-N, and not an invisible god. Now the sun disk, the reason he'd done this was the sun disk represented nature. It gave us everything we needed. To, to live. It, made us, it gave us vitamins, it gave us a lovely feeling, it gave us the plants that grew, basically, as I say, represented nature. Now he wanted a return to spirituality and to get away from the materialism of the priesthood. Now if you look in the tomb of Ai, in the tombs of Armana, a stone tablet has been found. On this tablet is a hymn which has been attributed to Akhenaten. The tablet is called The Great Hymn to the Arten. You can, you can research this on Google. In the 1922 book, The Life and Times of Akhenaten, Pharaoh of Egypt, the author tells us about a comparison between the hymn to the Arten and Psalm 104. The author was the Inspector General of the Antiquities of Upper Egypt and was witness to the discoveries of the tombs. Since then, there's been quite a bit of speculation of similarities between the hymn, Psalm 104, and the Lord's Prayer, which shocked me quite a bit when I found this out, because the original hymn was written about the sun disk, the Aten. 
So next time you're saying the Lord's Prayer, remember it was probably originally originally written about a sun disk. And we finish the Lord's Prayer with Amen, the Egyptian god of the sun. Now, Akhenaten also married Nefertiti and had some children. One of his children was Tutankhamun, but that's not his name. According to legend, the Amun priesthood, A-M-U-N, Amun priesthood, were losing money because the Egyptians were moving to Armana and following Akhenaten, worshipping the sun disk, the Aten. So, after Akhenaten's death, they went to Armana, pulled it down and killed anyone that stood in their way. After this point, the Amun priesthood went back to Heliopolis and tried to erase, they was carving over, they tried to erase Akhenaten from the official king's list and they carved over all the hieroglyphs that mentioned him and Nefertiti. Now, not much is known about what happened to Nefertiti after this date. We do know that Akhenaten was pharaoh for 17 years, but little else, to be honest with you. We know that all religious authority reverted to the Amun priesthoods. Now, it's worth re-recording that in 1937, Sigmund Freud wrote Moses and Monotheism, which was a book that hypothesises that Moses was not Jewish, but actually one of the Egyptian nobility. Now, recently, Ahmed Osman, another author working in the same area, suggested that Moses and Akhenaten may have been one and the same person. Without Prosecuting these ideas further in this case, it's an interesting speculation to entertain that the Egyptians may have been supplying more than just religious ideas to early Christianity and the Judo-Christian myths generally. More troubling still, it could be that some of the other ethnic attributions of the Bible, e.g. Solomon and even Jesus himself, may be open to question. The lack of archaeological proof makes this all the harder to determine. Now, I think... They, they weren't called Jesus or Solomon. It's a completely different name, which is why we can't find the archaeological proof. It's there somewhere. Now, the priest didn't succeed in killing his son. And at the son's eighth birthday, he became the youngest ever king of Egypt. He was called, I'm going to try and pronounce this, Tutankarton, Aten, after the sun disk. The priests change it to Tutankhamun in honour of their own religious creed, ending in Amun, A-M-U-N. Tutankhamun did as he was told until he was 18. At that point, rumours and legends actually say that it dawned on him that the priests were corrupt and tried to change things back to the way his father had had them. It was at this point he was killed with a blow to the back of the head, and then buried in a hurry, and once again they tried to eradicate him from the king's list. This is why his tomb was found intact with all its treasures, because nobody knew where he was buried. Now these are the very roots of organised religion today. Not one or two religions, as far as I can make out, all of them. Some people say in one form or another this is still going on, I'm not so sure. Um, The priesthoods of the world still say that we can't have salvation without them, and that they're entitled to palaces and taxes and privileges and special costumes. And yet, what does their authority stand? We can see that their religious iconography often rests upon stolen ideologies from other religions. The only force that mankind has honestly ever reverenced is nature. Christianity is an amalgam of polite fictions and involves worshipping an Egyptian god who was, in his turn, an amalgam of thousands of gods corralled together for the convenience of a self-serving priesthood. 
So at the start of all these podcasts, I read you some some Gospels from the Gospel of Thomas. And I said, if you listened to the whole podcast, you will understand them more at the end than you did to start with. So I'm going to run through them again. From the Gospel of Thomas, this is. Seek and you will find. Know what's in front of your face and what's hidden from you will be disclosed to you. I will give you what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard and what no hand has touched. Those who seek should not stop seeking until they find. When they find, they'll be disturbed. When they're disturbed, they will marvel. Congratulations to the one who came into being before coming into being. I am the light that is over all things. I am all. From me all came forth, and to me all attained. Split a piece of wood, and I am there. Lift up the stone, and you'll find me there. That's one of the more obvious ones, is obviously talking about the sun. It will not come by watching for it. It will not be said, look here or look there. Rather, the Father's imperial rule is spread out upon the earth, and people don't see it. Hidden in plain view, you have just been illuminated. I have come as a light into the world, that whoever believes in me may not remain in the darkness supposedly the words of Jesus Christ himself. That's the end of this week's podcast. Next week, I'm going to start recapping on a few things with some more information, which is going to lead you to quantum physics. And that's where everything that I've been talking about starts to join together. They knew about quantum physics thousands of years ago because they understand this alternate dimension but we'll talk about that next week. Have a fantastic week, and I'll speak to you soon.